Hello, everyone, and welcome to Rural Spark, the podcast exploring rural innovation in Canada, both social and economic. I'm your host, Helen Murphy. This week, we want to talk about the aging of rural Canada and the urgent need to make our communities what the World Health Organization calls age-friendly. We wanted to see where some encouraging practices are taking shape in Canada, so we took a look east. It's no surprise that the Atlantic region has the oldest demographic profile in Canada, and among those four provinces, Newfoundland and Labrador has the oldest average age at 44. Alberta, by the way, is the youngest province, with an average age of 36. So in Newfoundland and Labrador, 20% of the population is now 65 or older. And when we turned our attention to Newfoundland, we found Leo Bonnell. Leo is a bit of a trailblazer when it comes to putting words into action in making a community age-friendly. And the lucky community that's benefited from Leo's vision and determination is Clarenville. We're really pleased to have Leo with us this week to share his story. Good morning, Leo. How are you today in uh, Clarenville, Newfoundland? I am just great. It's a lovely day. It's a sunny day here in, the, in Clarenville. And you were telling me that you haven't actually had the worst of winters there this year. Is that true? Well, yeah, we've had we've had some winter, uh, but it's uh, it's uh, you know it's been some stormy days and then some mild days, and uh, anyhow, uh, we're getting to the tail end of it now. Uh, this is March, and uh, it'll it'll soon be done. We can see the light at the end of the tunnel, I think, Absolutely. across Canada. But we live in a ski town, and of course, uh, you know, winter is important uh, to uh, to all of us uh, for recreational purposes. Uh, we have uh, cross-country skiing as well as downhill skiing, and then, of course, it's the other part about uh, uh, snowmobiling and that. So winter is important to uh, to us in this part of the province. It's a good economic driver for the uh, for the region, and the and also, of course, the uh, the recreational piece. You know. For sure, yes, indeed. Um, so, Leo, we're really happy to have you on the on the program uh, this week to talk about what's called age friendly communities. And uh, maybe in the past we used different terminology to talk about uh, these kinds of things, but now that term, age friendly communities, is very popular to use for these kinds of efforts. So, I'm hoping that as we start our discussion, that you can elaborate a little bit on what exactly we mean when we talk about age friendly communities, and and maybe a little bit about the genesis of that term. Well, you know, an, I guess the official terminology or official definition of an age-friendly uh, community as defined by the uh, World Health Organization goes like this. An age-friendly community is a community where policies, uh, services, and structures related to the physical and social environment uh, are designed to support and enable people of all ages to live in a secure environment enjoy good health and continue to participate fully in society. Now, the presentations that I have been doing around the province and, and outside of the province on age-friendly uh, communities and also participating into uh, symposiums across the country, uh, I've kind of got to narrow down to a more uh, age-friendly language, if you will. And I say that an age-friendly community or an age-friendly city is a place where all of us, as we age, can lead healthier uh, and active lives for longer. We can stay living in our own homes and communities, and that's so important for older people. Go to where we need to and feel safe at home and at about, and have the information that we need to lead 
full and productive lives, and also to be truly valued and respected in society, participate in social, economic, and public life, and continue to learn and contribute to society. Many, many people, of course, you know, in our society feel that once you get uh, to a certain age that you're kind of past your best before date, and consequently, uh, you're no longer valuable in society. That's not the way I feel about it. I think seniors and older people right across this country contribute so much to society and to community life. So that, that's kind of my take on what an age-friendly uh, community or an age-friendly uh, city is, uh, is all about. Well, that makes a lot of sense. And we know that this concept of age-friendly communities is vitally important to rural areas across Canada. But tell us a little bit about how important it is for Newfoundland. What are the, what are the demographics looking like these days in Newfoundland in terms of uh, an aging demographic? Well, as most of us would recognize that the province of Newfoundland and Labrador has the oldest population in all of Canada. As a matter of fact, it's, uh, you know, Atlantic Canada probably leads uh, the rest of Canada in the aging demographics. But for Newfoundland and Labrador, we, we are the oldest population and we're aging faster than the rest of the country. And there are a number of reasons for that, of course. Firstly, of course, we've lost a lot of our younger population uh, to uh, out-migration. And then there's some what we call in-migration. That is people that have moved away a long time ago. Now, when they get to retirement age, they're moving back to their province of Newfoundland and Labrador, not necessarily to the rural communities that they left, but the somewhere close by, like the Clarenvilles, Gander, Cornerbrook, Grandpa, places where their services are available. So they're moving back. Uh, also, we're finding, too, and of course, this is a statistic that bears out right across the country, is that uh, younger people are waiting a little later in life before they start having children, and they're getting the education piece done first. And uh, over time, I guess, their biological, the female part, the uh, biological clock runs out. And so, consequently, we are seeing uh, lower birth rates, and people are living longer. I mean, we're seeing... Uh, and, uh, you know, right across this province, people are living in their high 90s and uh, even in right into their 100 uh, uh, years of age. So, you know, that contributes to the whole aging piece. Right. And your career, Leo, wasn't exactly in this area, not exactly in uh, social service or those kinds of things that sometimes touch on your work now. You had a career in banking, and I understand that you retired as a bank manager. Um, so what brings a bank manager to be involved with uh, focusing very much of your time, I think, on um, the uh, promotion and development of age-friendly communities? Well, you know, that's a good question, Helen. A lot of people have asked me that. But, you know, it goes back a long ways. I developed an interest in uh, savings very, very early in my banking career, was always interested in the well-being of older people. And I guess my involvement with the age-friendly communities movement started back in 2007. Two years after my retirement, I spent 42 years in, in a, as a banker and living all across the province of Newfoundland and Labrador and in many, many communities, uh, wherever the bank had assigned me to. And it was after my retirement that I accepted an appointment from the Newfoundland government as the chairperson of the Provincial Advisory Council on Aging and Seniors. And that kind of put me right in touch with the whole age-friendly piece as it was launched in the province of Newfoundland. And then the 
Uh, when the town of Clarenville uh, was awarded one of the 10 pilot projects on age-friendly communities, I was asked to bring some, uh, I guess, some background and some leadership to this pilot project. The town had been awarded the project in, uh, I guess it might have been, what, 2007 or eight, And uh, the, the pilot was handed off to a, uh, a counselor to lead it. And uh, the, the project was, the, the pilot was kind of going sideways for a while. Then I was asked if to bring uh, my involvement to the committee. And then, of course, uh, it, it started off to, to move forward. Firstly, of course, a, we put in place a committee, and we really needed to get the right community uh, people uh, from a variety of backgrounds at the table to ensure that it was going to be successful. As part of that committee, uh, we set up what we call a board structure to give it uh, some kind of an identity. We had an executive put in place, directors uh, such as a chairperson, a vice chair, treasurer, secretary, a whole structure sort of thing. But also we wanted to give the committee an identity. So uh, we uh, decided on calling it Random Age-Friendly Communities Board. And random comes from the name of the Clarenville region as a whole. It has a historical attachment to the name random. There's Random Island. There's a whole, it, it has to do with our history. As I said, we, we set up this, uh, this board structure with a variety of subcommittees uh, like accessibility, wellness, healthcare, givers, seniors groups, spirituality, education, safety, thinking now, communications. And effectively, this became an advisory to the town of Clarenville to uh, see how we can make the town and really the region to become more age-friendly. And they, the, the town really uh, accepted this process and then issued an official uh, proclamation to ensure that we continue on this, uh, this road and this pathway to making the, the town of Clarenville more age-friendly. And I don't know if you, if you talk for your listeners, if they really know where this whole term age-friendly came from, but the idea was conceived in June, I think it was in 2005, at the World uh, Congress of uh, Gerontology and Geriatrics in Rio de Janeiro. And it was a project developed by the World Health Organization. There were 35 cities from all continents participated in, the, in this uh, session, and including uh, four cities from Canada. Uh, worldwide, there were 150 plus focus groups, 250 caregivers, and about 500 service providers who participated in this session. And it, the aging population was the driving force behind this. Now, we're talking about here uh, the age-friendly cities, but out of that age-friendly cities came the age-friendly communities, rural and remote communities concept. Canada, of course, recognized that many of our older people live in, uh, in, in rural and smaller communities. So a lot of the, the work that was done at the city level was certainly adopted to become the age-friendly communities, rural and, rural, rural and remote work. And uh, a, div a guide was developed out of this and they include topics in the guide uh, like outdoor spaces and buildings, transportation, housing, respect and social inclusion, social participation, communication and information, civic, 
participation, I'm trying to remember them all now, employment and community services. I think that they were, they were all of the, uh, the topics that were included, you know? So as I said, the, the idea was adopted from the, the global age-friendly cities work. Canada certainly took a lead role in that. And uh, there were 10 communities that participated in the, developing a, what would look like a, a model for rural communities. Well, thanks for that background, Leo. That's helpful in knowing how we came to be uh, in this area. And I assume that when a group gets started, and it's interesting that in Clarenville, you folks did pay a lot of attention to getting a board structure right, committees uh, right, making sure the right people are at the table and making sure there's diversity of people and interest in there. And I think that's uh, yielded some good results since then. But I assume when a group like this gets started, there's probably a long list of projects and initiatives and ideas that are coming to the table and a lot of excitement about maybe just diving in headfirst at everything, which probably would be a mistake. How do priority projects get identified in your case? And um, and what were some of the early successes that you had with this in Clarenville? Yeah, well, looking back, our success, I guess, came from being focused on the small objectives right from the get-go, right from the beginning. Uh, we carried out an assessment, uh, you know, of what we currently have as being age-friendly. And sometimes when you start looking at you know, becoming age-friendly, uh, you start to focus uh, on the, what, or many uh, communities would start to focus on what we don't have. But in lots of communities right across uh, the land, you know, there are lots of things that are currently age-friendly. So we started looking at, uh, as part of that assessment, as to what we do have and where are the gaps and uh, barriers. And what came out of the assessment sessions were that you know, uh, seniors needed to be involved and engaged in community life. Some, you know, didn't belong to any specific organization uh, or, or group, but still needed a drop-in place. Uh, so as a result, what came out of that is we uh, established a drop-in center for seniors. It's one of the early successes that we did have, uh, a place called Gather. And the acronym stands for uh, Generating Activities Through Healthy Eating and Recreation. You know, that's a case where the seniors come together uh, twice a week. The town, Clarenville, provides the space free of charge in the community hall. And uh, we recruited some good people to lead this, uh, like a social worker and a retired nurse. Retired social worker and a retired nurse. And the focus again was on the, the exercise piece, the, uh, the healthy eating. And uh, so we have seniors that come out, you know, in age from, you know, 55 up to age 90. So that was one of the things that happened. Also, another thing that developed out of this was computers for seniors. And uh, a lot of people, as we did these engagement pieces, uh, a lot of seniors who, uh, you know, wanted to become part of this electronic age. And, but really didn't know how to go about it sort of thing. So we uh, started off, a, the board started off a, uh, a partnership with the College of the North Atlantic here in Clarenville. They offered their space in the evening time. We recruited facilitators from the local high school. Uh, so there was the intergenerational piece that tied in there. And also some local other people that were worked in offices that could help out on a one-on-one -on -one basis. So that was one of the things that happened. 
uh, to date, I should share with you, we've graduated nearly 200 seniors uh, uh, with the computer skills that now they're able to go out and, uh, you know, uh, talk to their, their relatives in other parts of Canada and the world via Skype. Uh, they're able to look up the, a lot of uh, information online. And I, I, before I go further, I've got a nice story to tell you about this Computers for Seniors class. There was an elderly gentleman that was going to celebrate his 90th birthday. And his family said, I wonder what are we going to get dad for his birthday? And some of the children said, why don't we give him a computer, a laptop computer? He's always been interested in researching stuff. So that's, this is what they did. They got him a computer. So on the day that they celebrated his birthday, he got his laptop. And he said, oh, my, what are we going to do with this? I don't even know how to turn it on. Well, in addition to giving you the laptop computer, we have you already rolled in the Random Age Branded Communities Board's computers for seniors class. Well, he went and took the class, took the class, he graduated. So now he's able to uh, connect with his grandchildren and his great-grandchildren in other parts of Canada. He was a carpenter by trade, so he's able to look up various designs online. He likes to send emails. So this was a real, real success story that came out of uh, somebody who really didn't know anything about computers to graduating from one of our classes and uh, now is very computer literate on, uh, on, in, in computers. So a very, very nice success story. That's a terrific story, uh, Leo. I'm sure there's lots of communities across Canada that might be in the early stages of making their communities age-friendly, or they will be looking at this in a serious way in the coming years. Based on your experience, and you'll have to remind me how long it's been now that uh, since Clarenville got started, what is your advice on getting it right by starting out the right way? And maybe what are some of the things to make sure are part of the early efforts and uh, perhaps you have some pitfalls that folks should avoid? Well, certainly one of the best pieces of advice that we can give anybody is uh, when you set out on this journey is to seek out the best committee, uh, best possible committee members that has a variety of skill sets. You know, it's so important to get the right people at the table so they can bring the right perspective to guiding this process. Also to access what you now currently have as being age friendly. You know, I talk about when I do presentations around the province, there is one community that during the uh, summer months, this is a, a rural community where a lot of seniors gathers down around the war. Well, what the town did is they established uh, washrooms in the, in the uh, around the war. They set up benches. So this is currently an age-friendly initiative, even though it's really not recognized as uh, the pound has not been recognized as having an age-friendly uh, process in, in place. So what I'm saying is you have to assess what you really have has already been, been there. And also to establish realistic goals and objectives within realistic uh, timelines. Sometimes people start off on a, a various committees start off on uh, on this journey and set out too high expectations and very too in, in short timelines. And that's a recipe uh, for success. One other thing we tell communities as we as we go to uh, various communities to help them is to celebrate small successes. You know, when you when things are working, really celebrate that. 
give a report card back to the people, back to the back to the municipality. Engage the community stakeholders. That is so important to get older people involved. Ask them. Appreciate the efforts of volunteers. You have to really understand that volunteers are so important to uh, to this process. And you also have to look to community partners. And if I go back to the to the random age friendly communities board successes, you know where I talked about gather. Uh, the drop-in center. I talked about the uh, the computers for seniors. We also set up uh, an age-friendly fair. That's an annual event that's been running now for six years. Uh, we've encouraged the town, and the town has accepted uh, the recommendation to establish an age-friendly park that's near the high school and the, uh, uh, the seniors complex. You know, uh, we have so many community partners. It's the all-important piece in moving the age-friendly communities process forward. And it's great to hear that example of a park area where we have intergenerational interaction. You know, we have the high school kids and uh, people from the seniors complex uh, having the same area, um, bringing them together. I think we've seen lots of benefits of that. And I, I'm assuming, Leo, that when one of the opportunities that comes from for these organizations or these groups is just when something is happening naturally anyway. So maybe seizing an opportunity when something is scheduled to happen, perhaps a town is decided to redesign and rebuild sidewalks in the community, or perhaps redo signage in the community. Those are opportunities to bring an age-friendly lens to the project. Absolutely, and this is what's happened in Clarenville. Uh, the town has made many changes as a result of, of our advice back to the town, because we consider ourselves to be an advisory committee to the town. The town has made changes, like street signage, uh, having larger uh, signs for, uh, on the signs. So when people are driving, older people are driving, they can see the signs more clearly. Uh, they've installed sidewalks, uh, walkways, uh, lighting, you know, I, 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 I was on a radio program not too long ago, and I, I was really uh, sharing a story about uh, the need for the business community to uh, step up to the plate to really uh, make their places of business more age-friendly. And I tell a story about a local supermarket that we went in to do a, pre a presentation. We had, the first question was, well, who are your customers? He said, well, many older people. And I said, well, Let's 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 look at what the needs of these uh, older folks are. This particular supermarket got the message really loud and clear. First of all, they increased the lighting, they uh, lowered the shelves, they had smaller portion sizes, they moved the washroom from upstairs to downstairs, they moved the telephone to a more accessible place where somebody got a call out. They are easily able to call a taxi. They install benches, a whole range of things uh, to make their particular supermarket more age-friendly to an aging population. My advice to uh, anybody starting the journey on uh, becoming age-friendly, one of the first phases would be to form an age-friendly committee. And all important as well is to developing a terms of reference to know you know, uh, establish a set of guidelines, know where you're going, what your end objective would be. And then there's the assessment piece, the community evaluation, getting the people involved, the community engagement, and then the planning, determining the challenges and the opportunities. 
And then, of course, you implement, there is an implementation phase, you know, putting your plan into action. And, uh, of course, what goes with that is the monitoring of, you know, the outcomes and reporting back to your municipality. And one of the other, other important pieces is getting the municipality to establish a council resolution saying that they are committed to making their municipality an age-friendly. Uh, thanks, uh, Leo. That's good to know about the municipal's uh, role in there and how pivotal that is to success. As I understand it, you've been invited to share your story um, and Clarenville's story as becoming an age-friendly community with other areas, including, I believe, recently Prince Edward Island. Can you tell me a little bit about that and perhaps your thoughts on Atlantic Canada's potential to really play a leadership role in how we develop age-friendly communities across Canada? Well, it was certainly a great opportunity to be invited to Summerside PEI, who incidentally is kind of uh, leading Prince Edward Island in the age-friendly movement. They have a great committee there. But it was a great opportunity for me to go and share uh, the best practices uh, from Clarenville to talk about the way forward as to uh, putting some best practices in place and, and to probably share information back and forth and, uh, you know, in Atlantic Canada, I like a lot of other regions in the Canada, there's, we're a little bit different in that we have the oldest population. We, we, we are a little bit different in Atlantic Canada, as I guess maybe uh, Western Canada would be. So not one size fits all. So we can share some best practices and work together. I think at the end of the day, we'll be all better for that, you know? Right, for sure. We do know that rural Canada is aging faster than urban Canada, and efforts to develop age-friendly communities are new in many areas, or, or perhaps they're not even being discussed in some areas. In your view, uh, Leo, how important is it that Canada gets fully on board with creating age-friendly communities, and what do you feel is at risk if we don't get this right? Well, I really think that, you know, when you look at an aging population, we really have to start to look at the needs of an aging population. Uh, and, uh, you know, uh, things like age-friendly business is so important. Aging is all about keeping people connected in society. And I, I, I explained earlier about the many uh, features of what an age-friendly city or what an age-friendly uh, community should look like. You know, it is so important. If we don't do it, then there will be opportunities missed for uh, older people to lead productive lives. And of course, you know, when people, when older people lead productive lives, they remain healthier. There's less cost on the healthcare. I really believe, you know, when you look to the way forward for Canada, it is a case of municipal leaders, uh, city leaders, uh, the business leaders and service providers. We need to rethink uh, our approaches as to how we serve today and the future's uh, aging populations. But we have to be mindful you know, that the baby boomers will age differently from their parents and their grandparents. Uh, many of them will have higher education, better health, and perhaps financially better off. So we really need to start to focus on really the benefits, the real benefits of becoming age-friendly. Because in my view, there is no other single initiative that better serves an aging population than the age-friendly communities uh, and cities model. 
Well, thanks very much for sharing your experiences with us on Rural Spark, Leo. And I'm hoping we can connect um, again in the future as this uh, model uh, spreads across Atlantic Canada and in Canada. And I'm sure that and hopeful that you will receive some more requests to come and speak to other communities and areas that are interested in doing this in the future. Absolutely. It's been my, uh, my pleasure to be with you this morning. And, uh, uh, and I, as I continue to advocate and be an ambassador for the age-friendly community program here in our home province of Newfoundland. Thanks very much. Have a great day. Thanks again, Leo. Bye. And thanks to everyone for joining us this week. Please drop us a line with your ideas for upcoming episodes at info at ruralspark.ca. The Rural Spark team includes content producer Catherine Murphy and technical producer Tara Sieber. Music by Jason Shaw. We wish you all the very best for the week ahead in your part of rural Canada.